you might think the politics and practice are kind of the same thing, and I just can think of a sort of third collective noun to round out the title. Um, yeah, but so today I'm going to be addressing, I kind of have to admit, in a pretty speculative uh, and tentative manner, basically two things. Uh, so first, some of the issues involved in the construction of a political demonology, which I'm taking to be like the study and categorization and comprehension of political evil. Um, and second, what use political evil and the discourse of evil might be in our political projects and in our political theorizing. Um, so basically the paper runs like this. So first, I look at the metaphysics of evil, or political evil. Uh, since I take it that before we can start thinking about political evil in general, um, we need some idea of what, at the most fundamental level, political evil is. And my line there is going to be that while we can admit of what I call rich evil, rich, thick, or irreducible evil, um, at the level of persons and psyches, um, we ought to understand political evil in deflationary terms, uh, just as a species of super bad. Um, which I mean, <coughs> okay, so by which I mean that political evil is ontologically of a piece with ordinary wrongs and bads, which is much, much, much worse. Uh, <coughs> so second, I look at what, what uses the discourse of evil might have in our political projects, and especially our progressive political projects. And while I concede that such a discourse is of near unrivaled polemical potential, I think it's fundamentally inimical to the business of politics. And that's largely because I think that evil is an essentially if kind of ephemeral or protean notion as well as a totalizing one, um, by which I mean that it crowds out gradations, complexity, nuance, definites, and specifics. Um, and in effect, politics must engage at the level of nuance, specifics, and definites. Uh, so in other words, evil is too vague, too totalizing, uh, and too radically indefinite a notion to be able to inform the kind of strategic thinking that is, or at least ought to be, the bread and butter of an effective politics. Um, and so third and finally, I argue that evil, again understood just qua super bad, that is, as some really, 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 really bad state of affairs, um, <clears throat> that it's kind of fallen out of the picture in much of our recent political theory, and there is much to be gained by resituating our political thought with the containment of or the avoidance of evil um, at its horizon. Although there too, as you say, that I'm arguing for an eventual transcendence of the context of evil. So I think that it is vital in orientating our political thinking, but we must at the last go beyond it. Uh, I mean, the paper's called Going Beyond Evil, and that's basically because, uh, and that's basically what I'm trying to do in each of those three strands. I argue that we need to go beyond evil. So we've got to go beyond it at the level of metaphysics, we've got to go beyond it in our political projects, and though it has a vital role to play in guiding our political thinking, we need to transcend it there too. Uh, it really is the case that in order to combat evil, we've got to leave it behind. So, yeah, so kind of with the preamble out of the way, let's just get down to it. So, on the metaphysics of evil, uh, and this being the first sense in which we've got to go beyond it uh, in the end. Uh, before we can construct a political demonology and talk about studying and categorising, combating and exercising political evil, before we can talk about the nature of political evil and even the usefulness of the concept, I think we need to lay some metaphysical foundations. So in particular, we need to decide whether evil has um, a particular kind of ontological richness, um, either in theological terms, psychological or psychoanalytic terms, or simple moral terms. Um, and by ontological richness, I mean to say that evil, uh, speaking metaphysically, is a particular kind of property, a property other than <coughs> and more insidious than any of the more commonplace natural properties that you might assign to a character or an action, so things like greedy, harmful, murderous, sadistic, cruel, and so on. Um, so if I just discussed these kind of three relevant alternatives for uh, the rich view of, of political evil. In the theological mode, the question I'm asking is whether evil refers to a supernatural property of actions or characters, 
Uh, that is, whether it concerns the soul, whether it's a force or a property not of a piece with the rest of the world, a particular and irreducible kind of malevolence or catastrophe, a particular and irreducible kind of absolute wrong, um, where we understand absolute there to denote a qualitative and not a quantitative uh, intensifier. And the second, in the secular, psychological or psychoanalytic mode, the question is whether evil is a particular kind of mental state uh, or condition, even, un even an unconscious state, um, that, is, that is not reducible to the states of ordinary naturalistic psychology uh, or some combination of them. So things like the will to power, lust, avarice, greed, uh, sadism, and so on. And then finally, in the moral mode, the question is whether evil is a property of character um, or actions or states of affairs that's non-naturalistic and yet not reducible to the other non-naturalistic properties of wrongness or badness. However, they themselves correlate with the naturalistic property of harm or some such other. So I think that those are the three alternatives for the thick, rich or irreducible view um, of the metaphysics of political evil. And it seems to me that one or other of them is, is kind of accepted by most people writing on evil. So that this kind of rich view seems to be the kind of traditional uh, standard view of, of evil in political context. The other side of the coin, and the side of the coin that I am arguing for, <coughs> is what we might call the deflationary, reductive or thin view of evil, um, which just means that evil refers to some of, or some combination of, the ordinary naturalistic psychological kinds of states, or the ordinary non-naturalistic moral kinds of properties. So evil is just akin to what you might call a superbad. It's ontologically of a piece with ordinary wrongs and bads, not really, you know, at the level of ontology, no different from them, uh, other than the, the kind of uh, quantitative, yeah, other than the kind of quantitative distinction that it's much, much, much worse. Um, so I think that's the decision at the level of metaphysics. Does political evil refer to something more than just a really, 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 really bad state of affairs, or something more than just a particularly vigorous cocktail of the of the kind of ordinary psychopathological states of will to power, caprice, malevolence, avarice, and so on? Um, in short. Is it something metaphysically unremarkable or something metaphysically distinct? Um, but happily I, think, happily, I think that the specific case of politics kind of makes that decision for us, because quite simply, whether or not people have souls, states and structures surely do not. Um, while people do have minds and psyches and wills, states and structures surely do not, at least not in the ordinary senses of those terms. <coughs> um, obviously, in saying that, I'm assuming that the, question, the questions of politics so questions of political ontology, political outcomes, political processes are inescapably questions both of structures and complex social interactions, um, but also of the outcomes produced by structures uh, and complex social interactions. And I think that something in the nature of structures, systems, and the products of complex social interactions obviates the metaphysical decision that I've kind of been discussing so far. So in particular, political evil, that is evil associated with the actions and interactions um, of collectives, structures, individuals in political roles, and so on, can occur only with the aid, support, passivity, inaction, unintended abetting, and so on and so on, of a great many people who are not themselves evil, uh, that is to say, not themselves possessed of an evil nature in the relevant thick sense. So even if we grant that there might be an ontologically rich category of evil actions and evil agents, we can't take that to be the operative sense of evil when we're thinking about the, yeah, about the product of complex interactions between a great many different and non-evil people. So that's what I mean when I say that while people have souls, psyches and minds, states and institutional structures surely do not. Uh, to kind of put that point another way, so <clears throat> the fact that the personal power of an individual within the state, or whose fact we might admit um, rich or thick evil, or of the modern cabinet, uh, <laughs> to which collective we might attribute uh, a rich evil, 
Um, that power has stable and far-reaching consequences only insofar as it's abetted by the complex, sometimes intended, usually unintended, interactions of a great number of non-evil people um, who nonetheless, uh, you know, in the kind of common totality, make up that state or structure. Uh, I think it makes it really difficult to, dis to ascribe rich evil um, to that structure, to that structure of complex social interactions, or to the political outcomes that it produces. States and structures neither intentionally act, ordinarily, nor have characters in the ordinary senses of that term. Uh, and rich evil, I think, just is very much a property of characters and intentional actions. Um, I, to kind of fortify that point, you might note that we, we also can't sensibly ascribe kind of similar intentional properties to structures. So you can't ascribe to a structure the property of being malicious, inept, capricious, whimsical, uh, vengeful, and so on. Uh, and I think it's a virtue of this deflation review that, that kind of in remaining silent from now on the question of personal evil uh, and pushing a thin view of evil in the kind of complex interactive structural context that make up politics, it, quite, it accounts quite well for a hugely relevant distinction. That between evils perpetrated by political figures and their capacities as particular persons occupying a particular political role um, and the structural phenomena that are properly termed political evil or political evils. Um, we don't really have time to get into that, and I'm quite, I'm quite worried that this might be overlong. Um, but I think that's an important distinction, uh, and one that there's ample room for on the deflationary view. Um, so before I move on to the second third of the paper, let me just conclude this bit with a few clarifying remarks. So I'm not ruling out that it might be useful and important to talk about states acting as if they are evil. Um, uh, I'm actually indebted to Mike for that, that kind of point. Um, as if they had evil minds, souls, or psyches, or else the evil or the kind of other relevant adjectives, again, sort of malicious, capricious, pathological, might be useful explanatory concepts for understanding the defects in particular kinds of states and structures. But I do want to maintain that that kind of usage is purely heuristic. So it's a kind of explanatory nar narrative. And insofar as that narrative is metaphorical, um, it's precisely to deny that states or structures, in short, politics, um, can be evil in the rich, thick, irreducible sense that I've been using here. So the heuristic sense of evil is precisely different from make, making a metaphysical claim about the nature of political evil or the nature of evil states. Uh, and just another clarification, just to clarify again at the last, kind of what, what my line's been in this section. I'm not taking a stand on the metaphysics of evil generally, um, and I'm at least agnostic and probably amenable to kind of rich supernatural or non-natural accounts of evil in the personal realm. Uh, what I'm saying is that in the narrower context of politics, evil can only be understood in deflationary terms, just as a kind of super bad, again, ontologically of a piece with our ordinary bads, just much, much worse. Um, and on that last point, and kind of by way of segueing to the next thread of the paper, I need, to, I need to point out that although I'm claiming that there's no metaphysical difference between political evil and the inhabitants of our ordinary moral categories, um, it's important to point out that I'm not saying that the meaning of evil um, the concept of evil is reducible to those ordinary categories. So I think that political evil ultimately is a superbad. I don't think that it means the same thing as a superbad um, or as something really, 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 really bad. Uh, and in fact, my argument in the, in the second section of the paper relies on political evil's meaning not being reducible to things like unjust, harmful, oppressive, exploitative, and so on. Um, because my contention is that the, the kind of particular way in which evil refers to those more banal, ordinary moral properties, fuzzily, vaguely, at the very limits of language, uh, is what renders it dangerous and counterproductive in politics. Um, okay, yeah, so part two. <laughs> um, so the question of metaphysics being settled for now, we can open it up again in the discussion, but settled for now, uh, 
Uh, in the rest of the paper, I'm going to discuss the role that evil might play in our live political projects on the one hand and in our political thinking on the other. So first, in our political projects, again, in keeping with the general thrust of the paper, I'm arguing that we need to go beyond evil here too, but now for different reasons, um, to wit that there's no effective politics without definites, and evil is radically indefinite. Um, so I said a minute ago that, that while I think that metaphysically speaking, political evil should be understood in deflationary terms, um, as of a piece with our ordinary moral properties, its meaning and its particular conceptual redolence uh, is quite distinct from those ordinary moral properties, right? So evil is, and I'm kind of asserting this more than arguing for it, I think kind of at root the unsayable, the ineffable, the inexplicable, the indefinable. So we may be certain that there's a super wrong somewhere at work in, in some kind of putatively evil action or character or state of affairs. But when, we, but when we describe it as evil, we mean to say that precisely what it consists in, how it came about, why it came about, the scale of it, and so on and so on, are unknown, unknowable, inexplicable, or otherwise incomprehensible. So we may be certain that evil is afoot, but we can't, as a matter of conceptual impossibility, I think, see exactly where it is and in what it consists. Because to do that is to give it another name and replace it with a different concept. So injustice, oppression, wrong, exploitation, domination. <clears throat> so I think to replace it is precisely to deny um, evil. So kind of what I'm saying is that evil, evil is the last resort of thought. It's the kind of final term, the last attempt to describe the super bad. The term or the idea that stands in for the otherwise unsayable, in fact that the term is itself an admission of verbal or conceptual inadequacy, um, and accordingly it's necessarily imprecise. And I think that that imprecision is in fact evil's precisest meaning. And because the concept of evil is imprecise, because it's murky and vague and definitionally inadequate, it can have no place in politics, or at least in effective politics at any rate. Because politics must deal in nuance and distinction and with the, sp and with the specifics upon which kind of difficult political choices are made. And politics is the business of difficult choices. Um, so I'm just saying, yeah, so there's no room in our political projects for evil, or the discourse of evil, I should say. Because I think that it obviates nuance and distinction and specifics. And because I think at the level of the concept, evil enters just when and where nuance and distinction and definites and specifics go out. That, you know, that's the kind of truth, the important truth about evil, is that it is kind of like, you know, essentially vague. And it, it applies only where we have no better term. It's the last word we can use. And I think that gets at the kind of basic dilemma of the discourse of evil. Um, so I think that the discourse of evil has, has its kind of incomparable potency, which makes it so attractive to politicians and speechmakers and demagogues, only because and in respect of that essential imposition, uh, ineffability and slipperiness. And when it resolves to a much more nuanced and precise and specific concept, in short, when it becomes usable, useful and amenable to politics, when the why is and how is and in what does it consist are answered, then it loses at a stroke that kind of rare potency. So it ceases to have that particular power. Because after all, evil must be opposed, right? Like, you can't learn of evil and not oppose it. That's just part of what evil means. Um, but it's not polemically obvious at all that a particular injustice or a particular instance of exploitation, like the specific superbad to which I'm arguing the evil ultimately refers, must be opposed in the same sort of straightforward way. And I think that's why the discourse of evil is, is kind of ubiquitous and seductive and above all dangerous, because it's manipulable and fuzzy and, and kind of in a sense all things to all people. Uh, again, just in virtue of that imprecision and essential vagueness. And that's why it must be transcended um, through, through replacement by more precise and definite notions if we're to begin an effective political action. And I kind of want to clarify that by drawing on a kind of analogous case 
which is that there was a, a really interesting debate in the pages, the letters pages of the LRB a few years ago between Zizek and the various proponents of the new anarchism, um, Simon Critchley being the kind of main one, um, who advocate bombarding the state with infinite demands uh, and who certainly believe that the state itself is evil in some sense of that term. And Zizek's line is, is the kind of totalizing judgment involved in showing the state to be infinitely incapable of, of emancipating people, that that judgment can't admit of anything more than a politics of resignation and kind of Thomistic moral superiority. Uh, what we need is to bombard the state with specific, actionable, concrete demands, because that's the stuff of effective politics, and that's the foundation of an, of an active and effective movement. And I think that th those same, same remarks apply to the kind of totalizing judgment that capitalism says is evil. I just think it gets you nowhere because you need to know the specific respects in which capitalism perpetrates specific ills in order to combat them. And if what I've said so far is right, then the discourse of evil crowds out just those sorts of specifics. Uh, and that's part of what I mean when I say that combating political evil, like combating these superbads, means leaving the discourse of evil behind. Uh, we might be over, but yeah, let's crack on to the third section of the paper. Uh, where I discuss what role political evil might have or ought to have in our political thinking. Uh, <coughs> and kind of in particular, I want to talk about the, the place of, of political evil and the justification of certain rights and policies, uh, and to track what I called earlier the recent exorcism of evil from those justifications. So I'm still assuming the, the deflationary view of political evil that I've, I've been discussing throughout, but I'm now asking why recent political theories have stopped engaging with evil even at that level, so even at the level of, of, of kind of thin evil. Um, you can understand why they might, might not be interested in, in, in kind of addressing evil quite like witches and demons and spirits and all that, but I think it's odd that they're kind of reluctant to engage with it at the level of kind of or ontologically ordinary bads. Um, and I think it's particularly odd given that the golden age of post-war liberalism, and I'm kind of thinking here of um, Isaiah Berlin, and then kind of later developments in Judith Sklar and the so-called liberalism of fear, um, that that golden age of post-war liberalism was rooted really deeply in this kind of abiding concern that preventing totalitarian evil be the foremost purpose of the state. So we justify liberal constitutional democracy in a reasonably extensive welfare state because it's the institutional arrangement least conducive to totalitarian evil. Um, or we say that the supremely relevant justification for individual rights is not the essentially human nature and hearing in each, or any kind of basic metaphysical capacities that we might have, i.e. to reason uh, and freely will things, but that a comprehensive and strictly enforceable set of individual rights acts as a bulwark against totalitarian evil. Um, I think you can even read Locke um, as, as kind of half of a proto-liberal of fear, and so far as um, the avoidance of the evil of tyranny is on his view the proximate ground for rights of redress and rebellion against the sovereign, even if elsewhere he relies heavily on the natural rights tradition. So what I'm saying is with the golden age liberalism of fear, you get a relatively comprehensive scheme of liberal civil and political rights justified not intrinsically, or at least not wholly intrinsically, as concordant with or implied by the metaphysics of the subject, as in Locke and natural rights, um, but also, more importantly, instrumentally justified as offence against tyrannical evil. Um, yeah, for a time, evil really did form the horizon of liberal politics and political theory, and its key ambition was to thwart tyrannical or totalitarian evil. But then, like I say, coincidentally, since the fall of the evil empire, uh, those concerns have kind of completely faded, and we've returned again to the loftier moral plane rather than the more pragmatic, evil-facing one. Um, and the kind of question I'm asking here is, I wonder whether we would do well to move away from the kind of current, more cloud-born philosophical liberalism towards a more pragmatic, instrumental, evil-facing liberalism. 
Because you might think that now, kind of with ISIS and corrupt fascists running for the White House and US police forces seemingly out of control and above the rule of law, prevent legislation in the UK, mass surveillance, the technocratic erosion of democratic participation, um, a deeply alienating culture of work, these kind of super bads, these kind of concerns are, are, are relevant again. Uh, I think you get a flavour of that in the new realists, which are currently quite trendy in political theory, um, at least in response to terror and the limits of governmental authority. But I think they probably don't state it so explicitly. Um, so what I'm saying is that there are political evils at work today. We ought to fear them, <coughs> and we ought to orientate our political thinking around them. Uh, so political evil, understood here as the kind of horror lurking at the edge of our present political context, the wolf at the door, uh, can lend our theorising a kind of certain urgency and clarity. And reacquainting ourselves with evil uh, might help to kind of reshuffle our theoretical priorities in generally useful ways. And I think the recent debates on privacy are kind of quite a good example of that, because the body theory on privacy seems to be extremely heavy on the kind of cloud-borne abstract defences of intrinsic rights to privacy, and pretty light on the kind of evil-facing instrumental considerations. Like, if you create the tools and precedents for mass surveillance, do you open the door a crack to evil down the line? Um, but again, I, I mean, you know, in keeping with the general attack in the paper, I'm saying that we, we do have to leave it behind here too. And to see why, you just need to notice that the kind of legal constitutional remedies for many of these super bads and evils that I've been talking about, those remedies are going to pull apart because some of them concern security and stability and others concern the dangers inherent in so effective a security apparatus. Um, so thus the answer to say something like, uh, you know, a kind of rising tide of terrorism may well be a fuller and more robust scheme of, of, of individual liberal rights or it may well be kind of tighter controls on freedom of speech and movement. But the important thing to notice is that we have no means of deciding between uh, those kind of evil horns, those two evil policies, just qua evil, uh, since I think that, that evil just doesn't admit of ordinal ranking. You can't compare evil, it's in the nature of the concept. I can accept that the extreme poles, as in Churchill's famous choice between Hitler and Stalin, you can make that, you know, you can say that the USSR is not as evil as Nazi Germany. But, you know, when the margins are smaller, it becomes really difficult. So just quite evil, you can't pick the lesser of two evils. And politics is never a choice between evil or none. It's always a choice between the lesser of two evils. You know, quite, you, you just can't decide between something that's really, really, really bad and something that's really, 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 like, really, really, really bad. <laughs> um, you, need, you need to seek a deeper principle. And in, and in seeking that deeper, decent, uh, deeper principle, we've got to, in the end, transcend the horizon of political evil. And I kind of accept that there's a flavour of contradiction here, but I, self-servingly, you might think, prefer to think of it as a kind of productive tension. I think that evil can focus the theoretical mind and kind of spark the thought, but to finish the thought, we need to go beyond it in the end. And so, two minutes, yeah, I'll run through the rest really quick. So to kind of sum, just sum up the end of this section, which is the final section, um, a stable and relatively free state is not to be taken for granted, and that's the kind of basic message of the liberals of fear. I think we've got to take that message seriously and reposition evil as the kind of proximate horizon of our thought, our political thought and political action, even if we must ultimately go beyond it. And just some clarifications. I should say that I'm not myself a liberal, um, and in many ways I kind of deplore the standard retreat to individual rights talk, although that's partly why I'm happier with liberalism when rights are kind of construed instrumentally as kind of, yeah, safeguards against evil, rather than as reflecting some kind of basic sovereignty of the individual atomistic subject. And I focus on liberalism here basically because it's the hegemonic theoretical language of our times. And I, I'm kind of concerned to try and keep my, my theory kind of close to real world 
politics, which is trying to express it in a way that I think might have currency in kind of real world politics. But having said that, I think that my arguments could apply mutatis mutandis to an anarchism of fear, a republicanism of fear, a socialism of fear, a perfectionism of fear, uh, and so on. I'm kind of, just as an, as an aside, I think that in fact the most persuasive anarchisms are what you might call anarchisms of fear, um, rather than those that I, I think ought to be seen as sort of quite narcissistic, libertarian anarchisms of principle. So we don't really have time to go back. So I'll just kind of close with like a really quick summary conclusion. So the paper was about investigating the nature of political evil on the one hand, uh, and the uses that political evil might have in our theorising and practical politics on the other. I argued for three claims and kind of set out three senses in which we ultimately have to go beyond evil in politics, theory and practice. So first, in the metaphysics of political evil, we've got to go beyond the traditional notion of thick, rich, irreducible evil uh, and conceive of it just as an ontologically unremarkable species of superbad. Uh, second, in our political projects, we've got to leave the polemically explosive uh, discourse of evil behind since that discourse is simultaneously too nebulous and too totalizing to find room in an effective politics. Uh, and lastly, in our political theorizing, though evil in its avoidance can and must form a, a kind of vital pragmatic context and a sort of spur to more world-focused theory, um, we've got to go beyond it and pursue a deeper principle. So, you know, again, I mean, I'm just kind of repeating myself today, but yeah, again, if we're going to thwart evil, I think we have to leave it behind. <laughs>